Hi, everybody. Regional Victorians of Colour and Human Chapters are excited to engage in a partnership to deliver a special series of conversations about emergencies, especially the recent floods and their impact on members from the migrant community. Uh, my name is Arthi and I'm representing Human Chapters. Um, today, we will be talking to Ruthu, but before we do, I will acknowledge country. We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which we are. We pay respect to their tribal elders, past and present and emerging. We celebrate the continuing culture and we acknowledge the memory of their ancestors. Welcome, Ruthu. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Aarti. Um, so my name is Ritu Shukla. I live in Greater Shepparton region since 2019 and living in Murukna more than a two years now. Um, I am from India, uh, western state of India. It's called Gujarat. Um, I'm a student myself. I'm doing my nursing, um, which is about to finish. And I live here with my husband and my little ba baby boy. Beautiful. Um, thank you so much, Ruthu, for, first of all, willing to join um, and participate in this conversation. Tell us, so recently, um, Shepparton and just regional Victoria in general, they've experienced floods. Um, you, What was your experience of the floods that happened at the end of last year? Yeah. Um, so firstly, I'm very grateful that this conversation is happening and thankful to human chapters and um, um, regional humans. Victorians. Oh, sorry. No, no, that's okay. Regional Victorians of yeah. Colour. Yeah. Regional Victorians of Colour to initiate this conversation because it is very much needed. Um, so when floods happened last year, honestly, my family was not even... Um, completely aware of the impact it is going to have. Uh, like, of course, there, there were been warnings around and there was a lot of um, radio and news about it, but we didn't actually expect how bad it is going to be or no one knew how bad it was going to be in our region, like in, especially in Murupna. Mm -hmm. So um, we were evacuated by fire firefighters they knocked at our door and they were like, you have to evacuate within two hours. And you have, uh, if you don't evacuate, then we want, we are not sure how can we come and help you. Like, of course, we will come and help you, but we are not sure what, what bad the impact is going to be mm -hmm. and how long it will take for us to come and help you if something goes wrong. Uh, I was sleeping that time. My husband had this conversation with firefighters. So he comes and wakes me up and he's like, um, we have to leave immediately within two hours or as early as we can. So I thought that was a bad dream because I was just sleeping and he was trying to shake me up. And we had a like a calm down convo after that and we figured out what we want to do. So we had two options. We could either stay here or we could go to the shelter, mm -hmm. which was organized in Shepparton. Um, at that time, my son was nearly 19, 20 months. He was still little. Mm -hmm. And we had a chat with our neighbors around to ask them because they have been here for a longer time than us. Mm -hmm. 
so we had a convo um to ask them like what what is the best plan are you guys mm. staying here or are you guys moving so mm. if you guys are staying here what sort of action mm. plan you have if something goes wrong mm. and they were like uh, we are sorted we have lights and we have food and everything and we can stay here because this colony was developed um not old not long back mm. but the 1975 floods which was that it was developed after that so it definitely had a higher level yeah. um considering the into uh, into their um thoughts yeah. but they also told us that since you have a small baby and um the power might go off mm-hmm. you never know mm-hmm. so if that's the case then it's good to move on from here so we were kind we were very grateful we got a shelter at our friend's place so we didn't have to move into shelter mm-hmm. um we packed our stuff we moved as much as we could to a higher level and we went to their place to live there for we were not sure how many days we have to go and spend there yeah uh, whatever food that we have in our house we could take it to them because just again nobody was sure mm-hmm. what type of emergency this is and uh, since we're same as other family it was very hard to accommodate everyone in in the house like 9 10 adults and kids and everyone mm-hmm. so yeah, we stayed there and we had contact with our neighbors so they constantly updated us where the water level is going mm-hmm. um thankfully there was no water in the house it was just on the street like for all of us for majority of us mm-hmm. um that was the biggest part but we wouldn't have known this if our neighbors were not in touch with us mm-hmm. or they didn't inform us we were prepared with the sandbags and stuff as soon as we moved out of the house mm-hmm. and um if it was say it was safe for us to come back and pack it up with sandbags and everything so we did that with help of our friends mm-hmm. and yeah pretty much the house was stable mm-hmm. now after moving there uh shepherdton and murupna causeway was closed maybe next day i think no yeah. that evening that evening the evening evening itself the causeway was closed mm-hmm. and there was no other way to come back to murupna mm-hmm. uh unless you drive 2 hours 3 hours from natalia and nomurka and then come back from mm-hmm. um that way so we were a little bit worried that what's happening in that area because um the neighbors we had chat with um they were also old aged neighbors and we didn't have a connection with them like phone connection with them it was the other neighbors who helped us yeah. and we were also worried about the house that what's happening with the house mm-hmm. because literally there was no news about murupna whereas yeah. the murupna was badly affected it is still badly affected a lot mm-hmm. of families uh their house have been completely damaged completely demolished and there was no news about them mm. so um that was one thing which was um daunting to us mm. especially people who live in murupna um that there were no actual real time updates on what is happening here mm. like i know there was no way normal people or civilians i should say civilians would have come here and see what's happening mm. but there was military here mm. they 
could have come here and actually helped people who were stuck or old people who didn't wanted to leave their house mm -hmm. so i felt that was one thing which was um which which could be avoided mm -hmm. next time if something goes wrong this could be avoided because uh murukna is not only young people or um i should say this community is full of old people mm. they don't have access to social media they don't have access to facebook and uh, instagram and twitter and whatever um, social media that we all have right now they are not prone to use that so mm. they don't know what is happening outside their house yeah they only listen to radio maybe they watch tv mm. now tv news were just horrible as i said no news of morukna at all mm -hmm. like what is the water level when it is going to rise when is the causeway going to close no no update on that on tv mm -hmm. radios yes there were updates on radios but again considering the amount of old people that live in this community that wasn't enough to prepare them mm -hmm. about what is going to happen mm -hmm. and majority of this community they don't have friends and family here in shepparton they yeah. could be in melbourne or they could be in bendigo or they could be in another another town so it was it was really hard for all of them i could say we actually received a call from our friends to go and check on their work colleagues they were pretty old maybe yeah. in their 80s or late late 80s i would say but there was no way we could go and reach them yeah so after two days uh when everything was stable we could run around natalia and numurka and that all way and we could reach to murupna first thing to look at our our place that we are in right now yeah and check on our neighbors we asked them if they need anything from shepparton to be brought to them or if they need any sandbags or anything yeah. and we checked on those elderly couple that we were told to check two days before but we couldn't reach her because everything was closed mm. and we found out they have already been moved to uh, to their neighbor's place actually because their house was completely flooded mm. yeah what so what an experience um ruthu Yeah, I mean um can you are you there? Yes, yes. Yes, so a lot of things happened during that time which I'm pretty sure um nobody was prepared for what happened mm -hmm. during that time. It was very quick. Yeah. And um uh, there are things that can be avoided and mm -hmm. that's why this conversation is really helpful for everyone in the community. Yeah. Rizu, I'd like to um extend and unpack what you've just said, things that could have happened um as a preventative measure, and I'd like to put it in or structure it in three parts. So one is part one is the preparation phase. What are some things that happened that could have been better or things that could have been considered? 
So that's preparation phase, then the acute phase when you guys were actually having to leave. And then the third one is that sort of recovery phase. Um, if you can talk us through those that were um yeah so my understanding of the whole flood situation is that there was no rainfall predicted mm -hmm. rainfall mm -hmm. uh water was released from some place which was all flowing to wherever it, it got space mm -hmm. that was all planned at the higher level right mm -hmm. uh so our, my biggest concern is why did we only have two hours to leave when this was already planned, that this is going to happen. Yeah. Why was community not prepared? Why there were no more shelters arranged? Mm. Why old people were not informed well in advance that this is going to happen, that you could be prepared of? Mm. It is not that oh, rainfall just happened and we didn't have time uh, to prepare for this. Yeah. So that was one thing. Um, when I talk about migrants, again, language barrier is the biggest um, issue um, here. A lot of migrant workers who work in farms and factories, be it from India or any other country, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, any country, um, they were all stranded. Mm -hmm. They didn't know language, first of all. So they didn't know what is happening. Mm -hmm. They didn't know that they have been evacuated now, but where to go? What's the next place for them to be? Um, in a shelter that was arranged at Shepherd and Showgrounds, there were a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. A lot of people. I'm, I'm sure there were facilities, but not for not considering the minorities in the community. Which so, is that, uh, let's say food, for example. Mm -hmm. When they left their house, they wouldn't have four or five days of groceries with them. Yeah, and everyone, all of those segment of the community is worker class, so they didn't have work for that amount of. 10-15 days of time. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't easy for them to go and buy groceries at, as well. And um, it is deemed pretty common that what groceries were provided there was suitable for everyone, mm -hmm. but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So that could have been done better, mm -hmm. I feel. Mm -hmm. um, language and cultural barriers that uh, have like for example if someone who speaks Gujarati um, they wouldn't know what they're talking in English there were not there was not enough communication to them as to what they have to prepare mm -hmm. or uh, what they have to do and then what happens is panic state happens yeah because there is no official news or no official update in a culturally diverse background that can that people can understand and then what happens is person a tells something else person b tells something else person c tells something else and the person actually who is suffering is completely 
anxious as to what they have to do next. Yeah. And not necessarily. I'm I'm sure person A, B, and C have the best of interest in telling them, mm. but that's not officially right. Mm. They could have told something which was best to their understanding. Yeah. But what help government was providing was not suitable according to person A, B, and C for the person who was suffering. Mm. And that happens a panic and anxious state for mm. those people. What do we do next? Where do we go? How do we manage this situation? Uh, whereas if this comes from an official person, mm that these are the options you have. Please choose one and please come with us if you need to. Yeah. Then that's more calming mm. in situations like this when you have to leave your house and you don't know where you when you don't know where you are going. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the thing I could think of which could have been prevented. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you um so much Ruth for talking us through so we've gone through the preparation phase and we've also actually touched upon the acute phase when things are happening um sort of what about the recovery phase any considerations oh. or has hindsight provided you with any insights um so all the grants that were from the governments they were not at all um, easy for the migrant community, I should say. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about ourselves, like my family. Yeah. We are students. So out of all the grants, there was no grant available for us. Mm -hmm. My husband couldn't apply for his casual sick leave because he wasn't sick, honestly. But yeah. he couldn't go to yeah um i was working which was fine um i had my leaves and i my my workplace was accommodating that was fine but we did suffer financially mm -hmm. in all this phase yeah. right um we didn't have work for that whole sort of week and maybe after that as well because a lot of recovery work was going on yeah. and he's into hospitality sector so his restaurant wasn't up and running immediately. There was also some of a damage there. So that need that that needed to be um repaired before they opened restaurant for people. Mm -hmm. So again, that was one of the um issues in getting grants to us. Yeah. Now there was one um local grant which gave occupants uh, I don't remember the amount of money right now, but it was a set amount that adults would get X amount mm -hmm. and kids would get an X amount. Mm -hmm. That we got, which we are very grateful for, but that was from the Shepparton Council, not mm -hmm. from the Victorian government. Now, in all this, in all this grant application, I also emailed uh, Daniel Andrews' office. Mm -hmm that all the visa categories that you have in this grant, where are students or where are um, temporary graduate workers? Mm -hmm. Because I'm sure it's not just me. That's everyone. 
who are either students or temporary graduate residents or temporary graduate students yeah. uh we pay full tax yeah. there is no way that we cannot pay tax even if we are not earning at par even mm-hmm. if we are struggling with um current uh, crisis mm-hmm. of cost of and everything there's no we can get any concession in the tax or we can get any benefits mm-hmm. from the government to survive but when things like this happen which is not under anyone's control my question is why do we leave that community like why do we leave those people and just let them manage themselves mm. because um these visa holders they don't get any grants like any concession from the government no cost of living concession nothing mm. then how are we going to survive mm. and when i say we it's not just my family i'm speaking on behalf of all of them um students or graduate workers and everyone yeah it's pretty hard like mm-hmm. um when a household is earning 2 3000 a week and maybe a fortnight i should say not a week fortnight and there's no income in that fortnight mm-hmm. and then after 2 3 months we just get a council grant mm-hmm. we still have to pay the rent because um owner didn't say that okay you don't pay the rent yeah because you didn't live here for a for week or 10 days mm-hmm. we still have to pay for it. we still have to pay for bills and everything yeah right mm-hmm. yeah so um that could be done better i think for for next time when something goes wrong like this and something like this which is which is not a human uh, created issue this is a natural disaster so i think it should not be limited to working like visa categories Mm-hmm. when next time something like this happens because yeah i mean if i go on to um reading the list of visas i'm pretty sure more than half of the visa categories were not in there mm-hmm. but i can only i can like i can only speak for students and temporary graduates because i have seen them for myself yeah there are there are hundreds of visa categories and if you only put uh, like the government only puts maybe 15 of them from the grants thing mm-hmm. how are the others going to survive then that's right and it's such an important point right like you've highlighted that it's a natural disaster it's it's that natural issue where every people in general are affected that issue did not say i'm going to target different visa exactly it yeah So it's a, yeah yeah um and also uh, when when i say a lot of damage is being done to the houses um our house was safe very grateful for that but i i know a few people they are on a visa condition and their house has been damaged they still had to suffer and live in that condition till maybe a month or so because the house wasn't repaired yeah. right okay the house is repaired now um it was a rental house right so it was insurance covered whatever happened the house is repaired but what about them living in those conditions where the floor is not right the carpet is not right it's still stink, stinking yeah 
Yeah. There are so many layers to this um, that need to be unpacked where conversations actually need to happen at different levels of leadership, um, having a consultancy approach as well and things like that. But Ruthu, thank you so much for taking the time um, to, and generously sharing your experience of the recent flood. Um, and we don't know what's going to happen in the future when the next emergency may be. We hope not, but we can't bank on that hope. So sort of having those preventative measures um, taken seriously into considerations is important. So, yes, and I'm very grateful for this conversation to happen because uh, the government has all the right motive to help people financially, but that money is not going to the right person at the right time. Mm. And this conversation will fill that gap, like be a bridge to um, that government-funded money and to the right person when something like this happens. So uh, these are very awkward conversations to happen, but something like this provides a platform for. So, yeah. And I think, Ritu, just in having this conversation, it's created awareness, right? Like even for myself, not realizing or understanding the what has happened because maybe I wasn't there and maybe I was in a different town. So not really understanding the deeper levels of um, impact that the floods had. And and as you're saying, that there are still people in that sort of situation where their house isn't totally safe, it's still damaged, that, you know, um, just within the community. And we are having this conversation in April. This happened in October. That's a long time. So it doesn't yeah. end just because the flood has ended. So, no, yes. thank you very, very much um, for taking the time. And, yeah, to whoever's listening, I think it would be a wonderful conversation to um, share and listen to and maybe learn from. So. Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. No worries. Thanks, guys.